Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Cosmic Echo, a Taylor podcast. My name is Lee Adams, I'm your host today, and I'm interviewing Kelly Bekelly, who is the author of his news book, Lucretia the Dreamer, but he has other books on dreams, uh, the psychology of dreams, and uh, he's very knowledgeable about these subjects. Um, in this discussion, we, we go into um, what dreams are, what they kind of do for us, how um, Kelly got interested in his work through dreams and religion. Um, and then we eventually dive into his new book, The Lucretia the Dreamer, where we talk about Lucretia, who was a um, woman, um, and she had prolific type dreams and was trialed eventually for her dream experiences. So um, Kelly has a lot of knowledge on that subject, and um, we really have a great conversation about that. Um, if you enjoyed this episode, or if you enjoyed this episode and would like to take part in the discussion about this episode or other topics that you're interested in, you can visit our website at tailleaders.com and you can click on community and there uh, you can easily start talking with other people. Um, so without further ado, let's just get to it. Thanks for spending time with uh, me and the listeners today and I'm with Kelly um, and uh Tell me a little bit about yourself and how you got interested in dreams um, and your background and um, the psychology of religion and, and how that transformed in this whole dream thing that you've been you've been working on. Sure, sure. Well, well, well thanks for having me on your 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 show. And uh, uh, I'm happy to yeah talk to you about things I hope are of interest to your listeners. Uh, yeah, I I first got interested as many people do in this field through my own dream experiences. I had a series of strange recurrent nightmares during uh, late high school, early college that kind of took me off the path of normality and, and, and got me studying psychology and philosophy and uh, religion and kind of anything that could help me understand dreams. And, um, it was so it was sort of initiated by my own personal interest, but then I quickly learned, wow, other people have similar kinds of experiences or even more amazing experiences than I have. Wow, what's what's going on with this? What can I learn about it? Um, yeah, still, still, still on that path, <laughs> whatever, many, many decades later. That's cool, man. Um, so, I mean, tell me about your your recurring nightmare a little bit. I'd like to to learn more about that because I've had oddly enough uh recurring sleep paralysis and nightmares is what got me huh. into doing this whole thing with uh dreams and consciousness and going in that direction so sounds like we're s similar in that way yeah 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 no and I, I i i'm guessing that if you ask you know enough people you'd hear similar stories in this in this area um i don't know for me it was uh a very unexpected thing i i i wasn't um uh, it wasn't like I was suffering some sort of trauma or something in my waking life. On the contrary, I I was uh, I was good at school. I was good at sports. I, my family was a solid family unit. Uh, it was actually, I think, um, a, a, a call for my unconscious. This is sort of what I I thought about it later, but kind of a call for my unconscious to pay attention to other parts of myself. Hmm. And so what happened was I just, I, I, I couldn't help but notice that I was having these recurrent nightmares where um, I was being chased or attacked by dark, uh, uh, aggressive antagonists. Mm -hmm. And everything I was good at in the waking world was useless in these dreams. I couldn't outrun my, the, the attackers. I couldn't outfight them. I could not smart them. I couldn't hide from them. There was nothing I could think of consciously uh, was able to, to deal with this. And uh, fortunately, I, um, this is, I was growing up in the, the Bay area time when people like Jeremy Taylor and uh, Patty Garfield and Stephen LaBerge and Gail Delaney, people like that were very active uh, at, at the beginning of kind of the dream work movement. And so I read some of their books, read some Freud, read some Jung, and Jung's idea of the shadow really made a lot of sense to me in terms of a um, an archetypal symbol of those parts of ourselves that that are left in the shadows of the psyche, uh, forgotten by the light of consciousness. And that was that really struck me as true uh, in relation to the way these dreams were 
show seem to be showing me parts of myself that I was not consciously aware of dealing with. Uh, and what do you know, when I, when I kind of started thinking about that and really processing it, uh, the dreams began to change hmm. and the, that chasing theme changed and the dynamics between these, these antagonists and, and, and me, uh, went in new directions and it, it gave me this, this, this tangible sense that by paying more attention to my dreams, my dreams started paying more attention to me and, mm. and, and kind of taking me on a journey. Yeah. That that's fascinating, man, that you're, um, you were able to kind of look at the, the nightmare experience in a different way. Um, especially somebody that didn't have a lot of training in that area and then kind of turning it, turn it around to be something positive. Um, that's a deep reflection that I, I don't think a lot of people just kind of get there on their own. Um, was it something you maybe you're reading or something like that that caused you to be able to identify um, the nightmares as something that you could kind of change and manipulate? Yeah, you know, it was it was probably a combination of of the dreams and um, you know I had a couple of really good friends at that time who were helping me think things through really brilliant people. Um, I spent a lot of time in the Northern California uh, kind of forest running around on the coast. So that was definitely, um, to be honest, uh, you know, kind of a, a, a part of the, the, the process of figuring mm. this out, being in those spaces. Um, so yeah, it took, and, 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 and people, like I said, like Jeremy Taylor and, 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 I mean, I, I met Jeremy and then I met Gail Delaney like within a month or two of each other. Um, and those are really, yeah, just, just revelatory experiences just in the sense of like, wow, look, here are people who are really good at this and smart <laughs> and have, go in different directions. Uh, uh, the diversity of it, the, the, the opportunities for exploration, it was just, uh, uh, I think this did, it, it piqued my curiosity so hard that I was just like, yeah, this is, this is, this is something I want to just keep at. Neat. Well, um, did you have like a religious background too that kind of put you in the, um, cause I mean, you got your PhD in, um, psychology of religion, I believe, correct? Yeah. 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 From, uh, uh, divinity school. So okay. I, I, after, after college, I, I got a master's degree at, uh, Harvard divinity school. Oh. And then, um, PhD at uh, University of Chicago Divinity School, uh, and it, so yeah, so so my degrees are in religious studies. Uh, I'm not a religious person. I'm a I'm a I'm a pagan if I'm anything. <laughs> uh, I wasn't raised in a, a particular tradition. My, my mother is Catholic, um, so there's kind of a, and my father was Unitarian. Uh, so so those traditions are definitely in my in my life and. Uh, uh, they've shaped me, but uh, I, I, I'm not a, a formal or institutionally religious person. Uh, but I found early on in, in, in my, my uh, studying dreams and exploring dreams and kind of looking at my own dreams, which were um, these, these, some of these nightmares were so otherworldly. And so uh, some of the, the things that happened after I got past the kind of the, the fight flight fear dynamic and things kind of opened up, which is always interesting. Like if you can kind of calm down enough to like stop, look around, see what's going on, you realize there's there's an amazing world out there, worlds, realities. Uh, so that, yeah, that really um, got me excited and made me realize that that this is a bigger topic than just Western psychology can encompass. And so that really was the big insight that that. Western psychology has been in existence for a couple hundred years. Humans have been talking about their dreams and exploring them and studying them in, in, in great sophisticated detail for millennia. So I pursued my, my graduate studies in, in uh, the study of religion in particular, because religion, religious studies is a way basically of studying history, you know, the history of what humans have considered sacred and important and um transpersonal and and that's where dreaming sort of the study of dreaming began hmm. so uh and now modern psychology has has uh emerged and and in some cases really focused on dreaming and developed these new ideas 
sometimes ideas that religions had many centuries ago and aren't <laughs> entirely acknowledged. So that's that's part of what I I I, I try to do um, in my scholarship is is look at at religious traditions and their teachings about dreams from a kind of modern psychological point of view. And then also look at modern psychological theories about dreaming, Freud, Jung, et cetera, as contemporary expressions of deep religious, spiritual, mythological questions that humans have been asking forever. So mm-hmm. that, that, that dynamic, that, that, that dialectic between psychology and religion with dreams as kind of the, the, the ball that they're kicking back and forth is Neat. what I, I find That's so interesting. That's fascinating, man. It really is. Yeah. So, I mean, um, the, the primary way that I'm really interested in your work is because I read um, one of your books, The Introduction of Psychology of Dreams, and it's um, mm. by far one of the best books that I've, um, introductory type books that I've read on, on dreams and understanding dreams mm. and things like that. So I really kind of want to dive into that and then get into your, uh, eventually get into your later work. But um, so unfortunately I don't have the book with me. So I had to look at the chapters I've, I've loaned it out, yeah, to somebody. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I had to look at the chapters and uh, kind of pick on points there. But uh, so in your book, in the beginning, you kind of talk about the basic questions of um, dream formation and, and how they're kind of formed. So can you go a bit uh, into what you've learned about how dreams are kind of formed through um, the mind and the, and the psyche and how, how, kind of play a role in in who we are yeah yeah well in in that that book i've I've really tried to uh you know in this in 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 pretty simple terms uh describe the the historical growth of knowledge about dreams that, that that has happened since about the beginning of the 20th century which most people will date with uh freud's book the Interpretation of Dreams, which he published in 1900. Uh, that kind of launched the modern psychology of, of dreaming. And uh, from a psychological point of view, and, and, and after Freud, this became a, a particular branch of, of, of Western thought, uh, dreaming is uh, uh, formed and, and, and generated out of the brain, out of the mind, out of the you know, what, what happens between the ears inside the cranium of the, the sleeping individual. And there's nothing else that, that, that counts or that matters. And this was uh, considered a, an advance over uh, pre-modern theories and ideas about dreams that involve uh, either the soul, the disembodied soul wandering about uh, while the, the body sleeps and in, 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 in place, or being visited by spirits, or or various kinds of uh, transpersonal phenomena, uh, and and there's also a, 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 a thread of psychological thought that that is trying to uh, acknowledge the the kind of the brain based uh, nature of a lot of what goes on in dreaming, but also recognizing the um, well, at least the cultural uh, uh, sort of socio-ecological uh, context in which people dream as being real factors that that um, modern psychology, starting with Freud, uh, has had a tendency to uh, overly individualize the way we think about dreams. That dreaming only happens inside the individual and only matters to the individual. Hmm. Uh, and that, I think, is is too much i think it's you can say yes dreaming originate like there is a, a a rootedness of dreaming in our minds our brains our bodies no doubt um and dreams certainly uh revolve around many of our personal concerns and personal interests and emotions and such but dreams are also uh reflecting the bigger worlds in which we live and the and the the, the complex realities in which we live and so uh you know, I've tried to in the, in this book represent how these how these different views of the functions and formations of of dreaming um, play out in these different different uh, lines of theory and how how it matters how we how we how we think about you know the way dreams are formed 
that kind of that kind of raises key questions about human nature and and human life and what makes you know all sorts of big questions so uh yeah yeah that is that is i think why the study of dream one of the reasons the study of dreams is so interesting it just it immediately brings you to these deep and and, and profound philosophical questions about about human nature interesting man yeah um i found it great that you kind of uh in the book you talked about different ways to um view dreams and interpret those dreams through the perspectives of different people um mm. and you start out with freud and then you kind of jump into young um can you give us a little bit of a an idea of interpreting a dream through a freudian perspective he kind of gets a bad rap i think throughout history and um in your book yeah. you kind of you're you're you kind of take the middle the middle path in this one you don't really discredit him or credit him you kind of take a third perspective i think and that's really good yeah yeah so so i was actually uh in vienna austria uh just a couple of weeks ago uh visiting the the Freud museum where oh, Freud neat. lived and worked for uh uh the majority like 40 plus years of his life um and it was interesting to, to really kind of look more closely at, at at the the living context out of which his ideas grew um so so for freud uh he was looking at dreams as expressions uh in a symbolic language of um, our deep emotional and 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 personal concerns. That's that's kind of that's that's the softest way of putting it, uh, and 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 the truest way in some way. That that and this is where just generally I think Freud people kind of take now as common sense a lot of Freud's best ideas. It's like oh well that's just we we of course we know that. Yeah. Well yeah it's because Freud taught us like back in 1903 or whenever he, you know, wrote some of these things. So, uh, and, but the things he was either wrong about or just tone deaf about, he says horrible things about women. He's, he's not uh, ethnically or racially sensitive <laughs> in ways that we would, you know, find acceptable. So there's a lot to uh, uh, critique in Freud and, and, and really question hard and, and not accept. But we've already accepted a lot of the way he looks at the world, um, the way he thinks about the mind, uh, and particularly the way we think about the unconscious. And so this idea that dreaming and his 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 uh, motto, if you will, is that, that dreaming is a, uh, a royal road to a knowledge of the unconscious mm -hmm. aspects of the mind. So dreams are this sort of... Uh, unusually uh, clear and direct way of learning about our own depths. And uh, uh, so for that, he gets, he gets, I think, a lot of credit. How you go about interpreting what goes back and forth along that, 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 that royal road is a, a comp more complicated question. But, but he definitely, he saw it and he saw the value in it. Nice. Um, and then how did, um, you know, like, um, Jung was the protege of Freud and right. then Jung took a, a, a different approach in some ways and also the same approach in some yeah. other ways. What, what are the differences between Freud and Jung and how did, uh, um, how did Jung look at dream interpretation, um, in his practice? Yeah. So, so Freud for the most part saw dreaming as, as a disguised truth about ourselves that, 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 that's why we have symbols to kind of express a feeling, but without consciously knowing about it. So it's, so it keeps it kind of semi repressed. Whereas for Jung, he saw dreams as the speaking in a natural language of, of symbol and metaphor. So for Freud, there's always this idea of, mm, you have to get past the resistance. There's something hidden. There's something uh, deceitful about the dream. And where Jung took his point of departure was, no, dreams are are just speaking the natural language in which they speak. And if there's a difficulty in understanding, it's because our conscious minds are a subset of our whole psyche. And so it's it's tough for the you know the ego, the limited rational ego, to grasp and understand expressions of the mind from these other realms. So 
Uh, so what, what, what Jung did was um, try to find uh, parallels between the images and themes in our dreams uh, in other places, in mythology, in historical, uh, religious texts, sacred texts, alchemy, Gnosticism, a lot of different esoteric uh, traditions of, of symbolism and spirituality that Jung felt were uh, all tapping into what he called the collective unconscious. And mm. so dreams emerge out of the collective unconscious within all of us. Uh, and for Jung, there's like, there, there, there is a Freudian layer of dreams. Like Jung would say, Freud was right about a lot of stuff. A lot of Freud's views of early life development, uh, a lot of Freud's sexual theories, Jung agreed with a fair amount of that. But there is this other layer, uh, this sort of transpersonal layer, uh, 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 trans-ego layer, of of the mind of the psyche of dreaming that 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 Jung felt uh, Freud's theory was not adequate uh, for 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 use, and so he developed his theories to help with particularly with those kinds of dreams. Hmm. Makes sense, and it, it sounds like there's parallels between Jung's type of uh, um, his his attack towards dreams and yours as well, because uh, you both kind of went to this religious practice this religious studies um once you started diving into dreams um is there any like uh reason for that or is it kind of just that it just happenstance that you you um, both kind of dived into the religious aspects oh no 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 it's a very direct i mean both both freud and jung i mean there's no um i mean they both have have profoundly uh, inspiring qualities to their their lives and their works uh, their ideas are still a source to me of, of um, just immense fascination and interest and 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 learning uh, uh, and I go back and forth you know sometimes I feel like Jung is had a bigger influence and then there are times it's like you know Freud really like there is something about his um, uh, kind of relentless uh, self scrutiny and 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 uh, kind of this critical awareness of the world that 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 I think distinguishes him from from Jung uh, in some ways and yeah I, so so it just depends on what day of the week it is whether <laughs> I feel you know one has had a bigger influence on me than the other. So. That's interesting, man. Um, have you found any, like, through your studies of religion and the history of religion, have you found any um, uh, aha moments in that that you don't, you haven't found that are in Young's work where you've kind of identified something um, that works with dreams or throughout history that some religious um, group had practiced in dreams that they found some type of deeper meaning to them or technique or anything that... Uh, really brought you saying, wow, this is uh, substantial. This is something that mm -hmm. um, people should know about. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, a couple of things. I mean, neither Freud nor Jung really uh, was, was thinking of working with dreams, exploring dreams in group settings. They're mm -hmm. both therapists. They're both psychiatrists uh, so, and working one-on-one -on -one, uh, often with people who have, pretty serious uh, mental uh, illness. Uh, and so they, neither of them really uh, was able to help look in a way, for, for me anyway, at, at examples around the world of cultures where dream sharing among family members, among friends, among villagers uh, is a normal natural part of life and in some cases as part of special rituals, ceremonies, initiation processes. Freud and Jung don't really ever get into that. So you kind of have to go to history of religions, to anthropology uh, for that kind of thing. Uh, along the same lines, Freud and, and Jung both, although Jung a little better than Freud on this point, uh, the idea that um, Dreams have more than just personal significance. Mm. Uh, dreams are, are are important for more than just the individual. Uh, 
you know, in many cultures, yes, dreams are important for the individual. They might also be important for the community. They might have something to tell about what's, you know, an impending war or an impending, you know, a famine maybe coming or a, a dispute between different clans or something. Um, dreams might be about collective issues and are scrutinized as such. And neither Freud nor and Jung, again, a little bit talks about his own dreams and some people's dreams as having a collective significance. But that really, again, is something you have to look to anthropology, history of religions to learn more about. And then, you know, really the best example, I'd have to say, uh, you know, a topic that you're, you're interested in, lucid dreaming. Uh, neither Freud nor Jung really say a lot about lucid dreaming. Uh, uh, it's a kind of incidental thing. It's not a, a primary focus. Uh, and so, again, if you look at the history of religions and anthropology, cross-cultural um, uh, studies of, of, of dream practices, there you find, wow, people have been, been looking at consciousness within sleep, developing awareness within sleep uh, all over the place for a long time. And, and you wouldn't know that if you only read Freud and Jung. So, so yeah, several places where they, they can be supplemented and extended. That's great, man. Thanks for pointing that out. And that uh, brings up the um, your newest book. I mean, that ties in a lot because it has to do with prophetic states and uh, also dreams and telling the future mm -hmm. and for a community. Um, and so your newest book is uh, Lucretia de Leon um, and her experiences. And when I first heard about uh, that you were working on the book and you're going to release it soon when I first heard about it, um, it was fascinating the the short um, story that you told us about this this individual and um, and and her experiences and, and how everything happened. But I'm really interested first off um, to hear about the book, like why what the book's about, and then specifically why you were so interested in writing about this individual. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's 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 about a, a, a young woman who lived in uh, 16th century Spain. So she's born in uh, the 15, 1568 uh, and lived her life in uh, Madrid, Spain, during the, the, the reign of uh, King Philip II, who had at that time was uh, emperor over a, a, an enormous uh, swath of the world. And and. It's a fascinating uh, and I think very important story for people who are interested in dreams to to learn about her life and her dreams and what happened to her because of her dreams. Uh, it's a it, in some ways it's a um, a tragically perfect uh, constellation of someone who I believe was a, a gifted dreamer uh, with a um, a moment of acute communal crisis where someone with uh, a gift for prophetic dreaming would be of immense value at the same time living at a under a, a political and religious regime of almost unprecedented uh, myopia and brutality and and uh, intolerance and so it's just this 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 uh, truth is stranger than fiction uh, is, is, is what I really have to say. And, and it's why I, I wanted to, to write about uh, her story, about her life and her dreams uh, in a way that people could, could access. There have been a couple of history books in English and in Spanish about her. Uh, none of them make her, make to me the, the, the amazing aspects of her life and the, the, the connections between her dreams and what's going on in the world as clear as I felt um, needed to be to, to truly appreciate it. And, and, and what really struck me is that, and what made me want to write the book is that these, these other texts being written by historians, they, they were kind of agnostic about uh, the question of whether she, uh, Lucretia really dreamed the dreams that she reported to a dream, you know, was she dreaming them or was she making them up? And the historians are like, eh, we can't quite tell, but who cares? Because people thought they were real dreams and we can analyze that. Hmm. And to me, as a dream researcher, it really matters if they were 
actual dreams and not just fabrications. It really matters if someone in that situation, in those circumstances, had a gift that was able to uh, anticipate something really dire in the future of her community. You know, the fact that to me, if if we can determine that those were dreams and not fabrications, that's that's important. That that tells us something about the potential of the human uh, mind and the and the potentials of our our, our dreaming imagination. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, so so it. Uh, I, I can't remember what I would have told you in that class, but but you know, briefly, uh, uh, Lucretia grew up in uh, uh, Madrid during King Philip's reign and. Uh, King Philip's greatest plan and goal was to send his navy, uh, the Armada, uh, the Spanish Armada, to attack England and uh, dethrone Queen Elizabeth uh, and turn, uh, restore England to the Catholic uh, side of things. Mm. And uh, so King Philip spent many years planning, preparing, getting the Spanish nation and the Armada, which was the most powerful military force in the world. Uh, it had conquered Central and South America with ease, uh, was had been pushing back the Turks in the Mediterranean. His navy was his strength, and he was going to send it uh, against England. And all of Spain was excited about this. And Lucretia de Leon kept dreaming that it would fail. And there was a, a, a small group of priests, Catholic priests, who were kind of dissidents, who were interested in her dreams, and so went to her house every day to uh, write them down when she woke up in the morning. Her her parents were not happy about this, mm, yeah. uh, her father especially so, uh, but the priests uh, talked him into it and, and said that this is all fine because she was sharing the dreams in the context of confession. These were priests recording her dreams, so she felt this is okay, I'm not doing something heretical or bad. Um, and because the priests had recorded these dreams, when your motto was in fact defeated in a, a shocking and utterly, uh, uh, you know, sort of a cataclysmic uh, effect on the on the Spanish nation, the people, and the king. There was this this documented record of her having seen it coming in her dreams, and nobody was, you know, pe- some people were listening to her, but not the king, not the not the military. So. Um, the great irony in all of this is that uh, uh, there are many ironies, but one of them is that uh, because she was correct, more people became interested in her dreams, which made the king nervous, made his religious police force, the Inquisition, nervous. So despite the fact that her dreams had accurately predicted the defeat of the Armada, she was arrested as a, a traitor and heretic and uh, imprisoned in the, the, the city of Toledo for five years, a total of five years where she was imprisoned, uh, interrogated, tortured, uh, and finally uh, uh, convicted of, of uh, many of the, the serious charges against her. Hmm. So, and the dreams still uh, exist. The, the, the Inquisition preserved the records from the trial. Uh, not all of them, unfortunately. There, there are a couple of really significant and 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 suspicious uh uh omissions in her trial record uh i talked about that in the book why i think i mean ultimately the the inquisition could not just could not publicly conclude that she was anything other than an honest prophetic dreamer there's just no other there's no evidence she's a witch that she was uh uh uh, you know, a, a faker, that she was making it up, that she was mentally ill. She, you know, none of the categories that the Inquisition usually used to dispatch people to their to their maker uh, applied in her case. Hmm. Uh, so they just tried to make her disappear. They just tried to just, they just kind of imprisoned her, uh, silenced her, uh, and eventually banished her from... Uh, from Madrid, so um, it's it's a tragic story of truth speaking to power, and how power responds to truth. Mm. Uh, yeah, that's a very yeah. Yeah. and 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 I'm glad I, I I'm glad I last thing I'll say I'm glad I I I was able to write the book. It's it, it was a very personal experience to be able to tell this this dark but to me very inspiring story. 
Um, I think it, it speaks to the present moment in uh, frightening ways <laughs> in terms of uh, dealing with a, a, an extremely um, violent and repressive political and religious regime. Uh, in, you know, those regimes are in the world and, and there are also gifted dreamers in the world. Mm. And I wanted, yeah, the book is written for the gifted dreamers of the world. Like you're, Interesting, man. you're that's, needed. That's great. Yeah. Um, and that totally makes sense why somebody like you would write this. It, it's kind of looking back, you know, and, and seeing your past work and then, um, coming to this book, it's kind of like, what, what, what happened? You know, like where, where did this idea come from? Um, but you explaining in that way, it definitely um, makes it so it's like a passion of yours to tell a story about somebody that was prosecuted for their dreams. You know, that's, that's yeah. huge. And it probably, exactly. I mean, it still happens today. Um, you know, a lot of people come from religious families and stuff where um, if they tell their family members these amazing dreams they have, you know, they're they're often prosecuted in some ways or shunned because um, of these experiences that they had. Um, and it, it, you know, saying, telling somebody's story about this definitely will, um, hopefully inspire some of those people to take a stand in what they believe, you know, and what their experiences yeah. are and continue forward, exactly. you know? Um, and, and, and one thing that I'm interested in, um, is your perspective of her dreams and how, um, you know, it, was she actually able from your perspective to tell the future, in or to have prophetic type dream experiences and why maybe her versus somebody else right yeah yeah when i when i first proposed the book and 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 the editor had some people review the proposal like one of them said is he really going to say the dreams predict the future <laughs> like well i mean so so she had dreams that were about something ended up happening in the future. So, you know, um, at that level, yes. Uh, now, is that a coincidence? Is that, uh, or what would be, what could be the causal connection there? Um, and in, in the book, I, 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 I do um, try to take a, a naturalistic approach in the sense that I think there are uh, plausible reasons why we could imagine that someone uh, in her place and time might have had dreams like that. Uh, she, and, and this goes, this, you know, there, this takes several chapters to explain sort of the, the biographical details of her life, but she lived sort of at the intersection of a lot of information flowing back and forth about what's going on in the court, what's going on in the empire, the finances. Her mm -hmm. father was a minor banking official, so knew all sorts of things about um, the court, she had relatives coming to and from the New World, so she knew about the colonial mm -hmm. project. Um, she herself worked as a like third nursemaid to the assistant nursemaid to the prince's, the young prince's nanny kind of thing. So she she had a very minor role for a while herself in the royal court. Um, so. And she and and she was a very pious young woman. Went to church all the time. And Madrid was a very uh, dynamic. It was the it was the capital city of a of the empire. So, uh, and where the talk was about England and and the Turks and 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 the New World. And so, in that, if if you if you put someone in that circumstance, this is my my yeah. my explanation, <laughs> naturalistic explanation, anyway. Uh, if you put someone who's already from childhood recognized as a, a gifted dreamer, and this is testimony at the trial mentioned how she she had strange, seemingly prophetic dreams, anticipatory dreams from a very early age. Uh, you take someone who's already got a gift and you put them in that circumstance, and then you have priests coming over and saying, okay, tell us what you dreamed. You know, so she's getting... Um, not just attention. I mean, that's almost too, that's, that's like a, that almost flattens it. She was getting encouragement from, from, from the religious authorities, from the men of God saying, you have a gift. This is important. Tell us what you're dreaming. And to me, this, it, in a way, it's almost this beautiful natural experiment in 
amplifying the capacity for prophetic dreaming. I mean, in some ways, it's like you, you couldn't design something in a laboratory that would be as interesting a demonstration of what's possible. If you take these various ingredients, uh, I think it makes it plausible. We, we, we can never ultimately know if we can ever ultimately verify if someone has the dream that they they report right this is always this gap between what what you know we we report of our dreams and what we experience so the argument really i'm trying to make is that uh everything we know about dreams everything we do know based on dream research and everything we know about her life and circumstances makes it very plausible that someone could have dreams like this it's not it doesn't require uh a supernatural agent getting involved doesn't in, now maybe there was maybe there were angels involved her i mean her dreams were uh very religious god appears in various forms uh various spiritual beings are coming and going uh so i'm not closing the door to uh other dimensions of uh causal influence on her on her dreams but i i think it's for people who want to just talk about a naturalistic level, I think there's more than enough evidence to show that uh, her dreams, someone like her could have dreams that would anticipate the kind of thing that happened with the Armada. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so yes, I'd, I'd like to think that ultimately, yes, skeptical reviewer out there, <laughs> that dreams can't predict the future, but not in a, uh, you know, magic eight ball kind right. of, you know, supernatural way it's still. a lot more probably a lot more symbolic and uh undertone than um what uh most people think I'd imagine. yes um with your own personal dreams have you had any experiences that kind of resonate with uh her experiences or um like prophetic type dreams that you've always you've kind of questioned or thought oh that, that was interesting yeah oh yeah yeah um I mean, for me, they've been more around family, you know, family danger. You know, I came to something that a health threat to one of my kids that manifested within a short order after the dream, dreaming of a car accident before having a car accident. Uh, uh, you know, I hope that some of some of my political dreams are not anticipatory <laughs> and, you know, things apocalyptic things, yeah, things we'll cross our fingers in that going to pieces uh uh so yeah you know it's for me the um yeah it feels like there's just kind of a um an ongoing flow between dream imagery and the way life kind of unfolds so uh it's not that that I don't feel that, that the dreams, at least in my own experience, are predicting the future so much as uh, kind of the high beams of my mind, kind of looking, looking as far ahead as I can and, and getting a sense of what's out there um, and getting ready to whatever I'm going to feel or think or however I'm going to act in relation to that. Uh, that's, that. That seems to be the way it, hmm. it works, yeah. yeah. Um, with your religious background or your religious um, uh, studies background, um, have you found any other examples throughout history of um, prophetic type experiences as well? I know in the Bible, obviously, there's quite a bit, um, but other religions but, too, like uh, telling the future through um, dream experiences that you found similar in other religious experiences uh, or practices in their text. Well, yeah, you know, it's a um, uh, a very uh, widespread theme, uh, and, and, and most cultures around the world are uh, uh, looking to dreams for insights into uh, uh, future possibilities, uh, 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 anticipations of things that that are both meaningful and important and yet hard to predict uh and so in the kind of that space of uncertainty dreams will emerge uh and you know again it's it's sometimes it's a direct 
predictive kind of thing. Other times it's a kind of a more uh, emotional preparation, like whatever is going to happen, you're going to, you know, your emotions will get high. I mean, I will say, you know, I, 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 I forgot. And I did have a very recent experience where um, this is a couple of weeks ago, where I thought one of um, one of our cats got outside a cat who's an indoor cat and has not been outside. And, uh, for the better part of a day, so say 10 or 12 hours before I finally mm -hmm. went to sleep, uh, I thought this cat was gone. I thought it was my fault. I was imagining all these horrible things happening to it. Uh, I went to sleep, woke up about three in the morning, uh, realized that it would be a good time to go out and whistle some more and see if the cat was there. And I, I woke up and I had a dream that, that I'd found the cat. Oh. Uh, and there it was. And I woke up and I'm like, ah, oh, stupid wish fulfillment, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I know the cat. I have not found the cat. I have to now go out and look for it and feel even worse. I walk downstairs and there's the cat oh, inside hmm. sitting on the couch, looking at me. <laughs> I have no idea. I, I, maybe it didn't go out. I don't know where it was inside. Every, I, it's a total mystery, but there it was. And this dream, like totally, I mean, I dreamed that I found it, woke up, did not believe the dream, walked downstairs and there was the cat. So, <laughs> so that's, that was, that was, that was almost, a. uh, like that was a humbling kind of prophecy dream. Cause I was, I was so, I had such a bad attitude about it. I was like, oh <laughs> God, that is so mean of my dream. Yeah. Telling me that I found the cat when oh, I know yeah. I haven't. <laughs> That's interesting, man. Yeah. I've had a uh, prophetic type experiences too, through dreams. Um, I've had one that was very profound in my life where it's like, uh, uh, it wasn't telling the future. It was telling the future that, um, somebody in my family was going to go or my, my sister's boyfriend at the time was going to go skydiving and i oh. and i look i look at it you know you have to look after the fact and be like how did i know this was going to happen you know right anyways um in the dream i come home and everyone's upset and i'm like well why why is everyone upset and they said this person died in a um in a skydiving accident and i was like well that what you know i was totally confused and then I woke up and I was like, ah, I feel like I have to tell someone about this, you know, because it's somebody's yeah. life, you know, and it seemed pretty real. So I told my sister and she said that he was planning to go skydiving that weekend. And I I had no idea and no need for anyone to tell me or anything about skydiving. I had like I look at it from, you know, right. after the fact, I'm like, there is no reason for me to come up with this idea that yeah. this person's going to go do, do that. They've never gone in their entire life. And it just so happened they're huh. going. And my sister wasn't living at home at the time either. So I had no way of like having a conversation with her about it. Huh. Um, but she told him and he didn't go. And who knows, you know, what would have happened. But that was my yeah, one, yeah, yeah. one dream. But, but, you know, that's... <laughs> You know, it's part of it's it, it's part of the the radar system. I think that uh, evolution has 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 given us over over you know many many eons of uh, human development. So I think that that's I don't know. I, I I don't see any harm in trusting those impulses if the if if they're of that sort. If it's the if it's the sort like. Hey, go! You can fly. Go, yeah. go, go to a tall building and jump off, and you can fly. That maybe you got to double check that one. Yeah. But but things like yeah, the warnings of potential danger. I, yeah, it's it's something to think of. It gives you something to think about. Um, and and maybe if if that's all it takes for you to decide not to go, maybe you really should have been going in the yeah. first place. You know exactly. So. Yeah, maybe maybe I picked up on something, man. Um, I mean, you got a, you got your hands on a lot of stuff, and you've been working on this sleep and dream database for some time now. Um, yeah, I'm 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 always interested and fascinated by it because um, there's a lot of data in there, and I don't, and people may not understand what it is or, or or what's inside this database. But I I really wanted to touch base on that for our listeners so that people can actually go there and um, yeah, pull something thanks. out. Yeah, yeah. So, so the Sleep and Dream database is an online, uh, free access archive of uh, uh, dream reports uh, from uh, uh, contemporary people, historical people, uh, uh, a lot of um, 
people's dream journal, sort of extended collections of dreams from a single individual, uh, several sets of dreams from different groups of people, uh, you know, groups of college students or groups of, um, uh, I don't know, there's, there's some surveys about memorable dreams and uh, nightmares. Uh, and then, yeah, then there's a bunch of survey data as well. People answering questions about how often they remember dreams, uh, uh, how often they have insomnia, uh, along with demographic questions, age, gender, all sorts of stuff. So yeah, so yeah, there's a lot of data in there, uh, and I'm still kind of figuring out how best to work with it, to explore it, to make it accessible, to make it fun, uh, 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 just to kind of poke around. Uh, uh, it's what it's really doing is kind of illuminating uh, future for, for, for work I want to do in terms of um, exploring dream journals or mm -hmm. long-term collections of dreams, which I now feel are some of the best sources of information about, uh, about dreams, that, that, that lab experiments are fine, surveys are fine, uh, but a, a dream journal, a, a collection of dreams that someone is, has, has recorded over a long stretch of time, that, that's really kind of the most uh, uh, naturally authentic way of exploring dreams, I think, to see how dreams unfold over time and interact with the person's uh, waking life and their, their community, their cultural context. Uh, so, uh, and, 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 and dream journals, are also, I, I feel, incredibly valuable documents um, historically that, that, I mean, with, with the Lucretia study, you know, I wouldn't have been able to write that book if the frickin' inquisitors hadn't been so bureaucratically efficient, right, and preserved yeah. these manuscripts for 400 years. Um, so, and, and there are other historical texts that we would not know about, but for the efforts of people to gather, collect, edit, preserve, uh, archive uh, these materials. So that's that's something I'm now thinking as I kind of look ahead with the Sleep and Dream database and, uh, you know, other projects I've got going, really, really focusing on uh, celebrating the Dream Journal, uh, 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 making people, uh, helping people keep Dream Journals, learn more and more about themselves through those journals. And developing dream journals as a, a resource for scholars now and, and, and long into the future. That's, that's really kind of the sort of driving passion of a lot of the work I'm doing these days. Interesting, man. Um, have you found anything in the, um, in the sleep and dream database, which kind of supports these, uh, the, the idea with uh, Lucretia and her prophetic states as well? Like, have you ever, um, search the database and ha happen to fall upon somebody's dream mm. or anything like that, that you're like, whoa, like, um, that's kind of amazing. That's a pre, um, right. You know? Yeah. You know, it's, I haven't yet in part because, but, I, but I know what you're getting at and, and, and I've got some ideas. I, I think, uh, I mean, just one, one way of, of thinking of that, like if I could, find enough people who had dreams on a date, you know, X, uh, and, and something that, that I know, you know, significant happened in the world, you know, two days after X, would there be any signal, you know, anticipatory yeah. signal of that, uh, that later event after the dreams. And, uh, the challenge in that kind of research is, What's kind of, you know, say it's a plane crash, say, say, you know, a plane crashes. Well, how many people were dreaming a plane crashes the few days before that? Ooh, did anybody, you know, see it coming? The thing you'd really have to do is know how often do people dream of plane crashes just yeah. generally, just, just without, you know, one happening the next day. And then with that as baseline, how much more of a plane crash, you know, yeah. phenomenon would you see? And that's, this is the, it, it's tough to do this experimentally. It's, it's, it's so like in Lucretia's case, it's so, um, uh, uh, 
deeply textured in the individual's life and 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 intimately rooted in in everything that that is that is their their um, actual lived experience that uh it's hard to extract though you know it's to turn that kind of a process into an experiment any kind of where you're you know where you're able to control variables and sort of tweak tweak this aspect and tweak that aspect uh it kills it, yeah. so it seems, or or it, it diminishes it to a very pale reflection of what it can be in these more naturalistic circumstances. So, long way of saying, I think there may be something to that, uh, uh, and I'm very curious about precisely that kind of question. What 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 can a a large database of dreams reveal about you know signals in the noise uh, around uh, anticipatory dreaming? It's 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 hard to accomplish, and I want to make sure uh, when I really pursue that that I I haven't yet kind of created the foundation. I feel I would need to do that in a kind of responsible way. That makes but sense. I will. <laughs> Hopefully yeah, someday. that's interesting, man. What have you? What are some things that you've gotten from the database that you can kind of at least uh, clearly say these are some uh, tendencies or some commonalities yeah. that people have? Yeah. Well, one one. One of the, the main things I've, I've done with, with several of the collections that are in there is uh, uh, engaged in what uh, I've called blind analysis, which is uh, I've been given these dreams by a, a colleague, usually Bill Domhoff at UC Santa Cruz, and uh, I will uh, look at the dreams and analyze them uh, in sort of data mining kinds of ways uh, and make predictions about the dreamer's personality, life, activities, interests, uh, relationships, mm -hmm. and such, just based on what the dreams seem to indicate. And then after I make those predictions, uh, I interact with the dreamer, find out, you know, what's right, what's wrong, you know, to help me understand the patterns here. And having done this uh, more than a dozen times, uh, I, I feel uh, really confident that dreams are a remarkably accurate uh, mirror of our most important emotional concerns uh, and relationships in waking life. The dreams really do reflect who we are, what we care about, what we hope for, what we're scared of, uh, what, what most occupies our sort of emotional energy. Hmm. Uh, and that may not be what we spend most of our time doing. Uh, for example, people don't always dream about their jobs. You know, they spend a lot of time at their jobs Maybe they don't dream about that at all because it's not a part of their emotional uh, landscape. Uh, so, so that is that. That's that's probably the most uh, uh, powerful lesson I've I've drawn is just wow. how how accurately dreams uh, represent who we are and what we care about. Well, that's fascinating, dude. Um, I mean, can you talk a little bit about that process? Because I mean, I've this is. Generally, um, when it comes to dream interpretation, you know, the Jungian style is you, you have to interact with the, the person right. and have them determine the dream. It doesn't sound right. like you're saying this is what the dream means, but you're getting a, it's kind of like a analyzing a painting of somebody's painting and then kind of determining who the person is from their painting. So I'm interested to know your process on on this because it's fascinating that's really fascinating man yeah 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 now that you mention it uh yeah freud and jung would hate this <laughs> just hate it yeah they would they would not like this because it's it's almost yeah the antithesis of what they do because it's saying don't tell me any associations don't tell me anything about the dreamer the less i know the better um and what so what i've what i've done is over time i've developed a a template of um for word searching for 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 looking at the collection of dreams and if it you know anywhere like the shortest series i've done has been like i think say 30 dreams and the longest has been like three thousand dreams so you know any any number in between there the more the the better for sure uh and you it seems you need at least a hundred or so to really feel like you're pretty confident about what you're finding but what i've been doing is say i've got a thousand dreams say a thousand and I will uh, analyze those dreams in terms of this template of categories of word usage. So uh, 
I have uh, categories for five different emotions, uh, anger, fear, sadness, uh, wonder, confusion, and happiness. And so words, you know, a couple dozen words for each of those emotions. So the, the system will scan the thousand dreams for how many, how many dream reports have at least one instance, one mention of one of these happiness words, mm -hmm. right? How many of them have a word referring to fear? How many have a word referring to anger? And so on and so forth for all these other categories. And this is something I've tested and developed over a long time. So the categories that I've been using uh, seem to work well. Uh, there are other things that it would be great to learn about dreams that this method just doesn't work for. I've tried, hasn't worked. Maybe other people can make it work, but I've, <laughs> you know, so it tells you what it tells you. It doesn't tell you what it doesn't tell you. But what it does tell you is, you know, uh, uh, I can tell it's a pretty, you know, anyone can tell. I shouldn't even say I, it's anybody, anybody who looks at these patterns uh, of word usage, you would see, oh, here's someone who's having anxiety issues. You know, they, they, most women, let's say, have 21% of their dreams have a reference to fear. Hmm. Well, here's someone who's got 45% of their dreams have hmm. a reference to fear. And we know from previous research, empirical research, not just theory-based, but like, no, actually testing it and seeing if it works or not, that uh, higher references to fear and dreams correlate with greater anxiety in the waking world. So, uh, so those, that's, that's the method. And, and what's key is getting the dreamer's response at the end. Like I can, I can generate the hypotheses, uh, that, you know, for example, um, I'm trying to think of one. Oh, here, so here's a good one. So, so sometimes like the, the inferences I make are, are completely wrong. And, and by understanding why they're wrong, something new gets learned. So, mm -hmm. so one of the early studies I did, um, this guy had um, lots of dreams of aggression and death and um, uh, just way, way above the, the baselines, way above what, most people have in their dreams. So I, I made the prediction, this is a person who has a lot of nightmares. Uh, and when he responded, I, I was right on a lot of other things. He said, yeah, no, actually these aren't nightmares. I'm a, I'm a video game player. Oh. <laughs> and yes, I have a lot of dreams where I'm being chased or attacking. Right. And, yeah. and it's fun. It's, it's an adventure. It's a good time. So it's not a scary nightmare. And so for me as a researcher, I'm like, Oh, so I have to now think of that next time I see someone's, dream patterns where there's elevated aggression and death references. And what I noticed was, ah, I didn't key in on how his dreams had a higher reference, higher percentage of references to fantastic beings, mm. just, you know, werewolves and zombies and such great indicator of video game playing. I now, I now know, but so this whole system is uh, predicated on, my making these kinds of inferences and then I hear back whether they're right or wrong. And then I build that into the next effort. So, um, so this is why I'm, I'm feeling pretty confident about the things that are coming out. It's not just, uh, you know, uh, my interpretive yeah. wizardry, you know, it's, 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 I think that these are the signals in the, in the data that, that, that anybody following this method could, could identify as wow. well. That's really amazing, man. Um, it sounds kind of like you're painting a picture of the person through the dream uh, experience. And if anything, that, that proves that the, the dream is a reflection of us, you know? Um, yeah. That's kind of a theory, I think. But the more you do this research, the more you're able to paint an accurate picture of a person through a dream, it, it is obvious that the dream is a, is a representation of who we actually are. Maybe yeah. more so than we yeah. thought. Yeah, and this is all, I, I, I should say, uh, um, in some ways, a preliminary process, because I, 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 I feel that, that the ultimate goal is to explore what, what Jung called big dreams, which are unusual, extraordinary, they're not normal, they don't fit the average patterns, but we, don't, we, we can't fully appreciate extraordinary dreams, I, I think, until we really have a good sense, again, of the kind of the baseline of ordinary dreams. And so once we really understand kind of what, what, what general dreaming is up to and the basic patterns, which I think this method is helping us, helping us do, to me, that's, that provides the awesome, excellent, ideal platform for 
uh, exploring unusual dreams and and in ways that that again technology word searching lab experiments probably aren't going to help us with so that's but they can help trying to get those technologies to help us as much as they can before we have to kind of set off and use our intuition our judgment our insight uh, but but the technologies can help us get pretty far so that is that's that's kind of the the goal here is to push this system as far as it can go, squeeze as much meaning as possible out of it before we have to leave it behind <laughs> and go for go beyond. Because ultimately, I want to go beyond just kind of how dreams reflect what's going on to where dreams want to lead us. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Well, man, um, what are some ways that people can get a hold of you, read your books, um, and mm. access the dream uh, or the sleep. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, Lucretia, the dreamer, uh, uh, is, uh, uh, out and available, uh, Stanford university press. Uh, I, I think it's the most interesting and dramatic story about dreams I've ever encountered in, I don't know, 35, 40 years of reading books and such about dreams. So I, I really think it's just a, an amazing story. Anybody who's interested in dreams, I think that that book would really, uh, be of interest to you. Um, uh, yeah, I, my, my, the Sleep and Dream database has a website. Uh, you can check that out. Uh, kellybulkley.org is my personal website. Uh, I post stuff up there all the time. Uh, I tweet about dreams, <laughs> not about my breakfast, not about my <laughs> political views, just about dreams. Uh, but if you are interested in current little thoughts about dreams, quotes and such, uh, my, my, my Twitter account is something I, I, I care about a lot. Uh, uh, and I write for, uh, psychology today uh, i write a periodic blog post for them so yeah so a few different ways i put things out there and the international association for the study of dreams is awesome uh uh anybody interested in dreams should really think about getting involved with them i'm helping out with a variety of gatherings and conferences and such so yeah yeah all, all sorts of ways to be be excited about dreams and study dreams <laughs> awesome man well thank you for spending the time with me and the listeners and uh, appreciate sure. your work too. Um, it's inspirational to people that are trying to get into dreams and also, um, it sounds like, uh, learn about, um, their dream experiences from other people as well now. So, um, yeah, right on. I appreciate everything you're doing, man. So good, um, good. Well, no, I enjoy your show. You're, you're, you're asking all the good questions. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, it's, it's fun chatting with you. Awesome. This has been another episode of Cosmic Echo. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to learn more about Kelly and his work, you can visit our website at tailleaders.com backslash CE podcast. Additionally, if you'd like to continue the discussion about this episode or any other topics that you're interested, you can visit our website at tailleaders.com and click on community and there you'll be taken to our Facebook page and you can talk with other people there. We look forward to bringing you additional episodes in the near future, but until then, happy dreaming.